You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms and the new 110 Ultralight. At about six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. The carbon fiber wrapped stainless steel barrel makes it durable and lightweight. The rifle comes equipped with the Savage AccuFit technology, so that means it's adjustable and it comes in a variety of calibers. The 308, the 270, the 28 Nosler, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 30-06, and much more. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. Welcome to the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Thomas. Got a full house today. Mike and Andy both with me. Yep. What's up? Back again. You made it a few times in a row now. I'm I'm proud of you. I got to. Proud of you. Trying to. Proud of you. Harvest season over? Harvest done. Everything done. Just building a house. That's that's fun. Yeah. Stressful. By fun, I mean not. Yeah. Amy always says, like, if we win the lottery or something like that, we're going to. Don't do it. Yeah. She's like, why wouldn't you? I'm like. Why? I can go buy a house that I like. I don't have to go through that stress. <laughs> and I, have, I do not. And you can just move right on in. Right. I have no desire whatsoever so. to go build a house. So yeah. I do not envy you on that part. Yeah. Y'all been doing any hunting or anything? Been a couple times. I've been once, and it was absolutely terrible. Since the end of rifle? or yeah. Now, are we going to talk rifle? about coyote hunting? Because I'm, I'm talking about coyote. I've been couple coyote hunting a couple times. Deer hunting, I'll be honest with you, I've kind of got pissed off. You've mentally checked out of, of I kind of got pissed off and quit that, and I'm yeah. killing dogs now, trying to. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is that time of year, and I'm getting more and more excited about that. Rather, than, I mean, we still got time to all depending on when, to, when this episode airs, you know. We still got some time left to do some deer hunting, and I still got two tags that I could fill. Same so, yep. you know, I'm going to try to get out there a little more, but I'm definitely shifting my focus to coyotes. And that's what makes me so excited with Heath Baker. The legend. Yeah. The legend. Sa- almost legend savage. in the making. I mean, he's just doing He's doing it now. Yeah, he's, like, he's blowing yeah. up right by, now. And by now, he does it live. Yeah, so our our – guest today is heath baker with predator tactics and andy why don't you tell folks about because you you found him first um yeah and told micah and myself about him and and this dude is i mean all he does is hunt coyotes that's his entire life wakes up every day and goes and hunts coyotes coyotes. i was just on facebook just jacking around because i like hunting coyotes and i was just looking for coyote hunting stuff and uh found this guy a live video of, of coyote hunting i'm like what who, like who goes live coyote hunting so i started i got on his page i was going like this dude's killing coyotes while he's live that's freaking sweet and so you start watching these videos and he's kind of talking about tactics a little bit he's talking you through what he's doing why am i doing this yeah i mean yeah. it's not you know he he's out there hunting so he's not like breaking everything down but it's like damn here here comes three coyotes like what it, it, what he just said one, it makes sense, and two, it's working. <clears throat> so that's why I, I, I like, you guys got to check this dude out. Like, watch this, and he just starts pounding some massive coyotes uh, and a, and doubles, triples, 
Yeah. yeah. All over the place. He's got a c- account. Uh, right. And as of, I think you mentioned, as of today, he's at 200 coyotes since May 1st. Right. That's pretty awesome. He's getting ready to go to Texas. He, he hopes to come back with 50 coyotes down. Yeah, three days, three 50 days. coyotes. That's yeah. his goal anyways, His goal. So. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a predator killer. That's for sure yes. what he is. And so, killer. yeah, um, going to be a great show today. We have a lot of talk. We basically talk about, you know, what, what does he do? What's some of his favorite calls? What's what does he do when he uh, yep. sets up on stands? We talk about bobcat hunting yep. and what he does with bobcats, and we get to make fun of me uh, on on bobcat hunting because I've missed one twice in the last couple of weeks. So um, the guys get to razz on me a little bit, learn about bobcat 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 hunting. Also, um, it's just it's just a nice talk. Um, you know, Heath kind of breaks down about what he does. Yep. His the, thought process, even. Right, and the big thing you take away is it's it's always going to be specific to where you're at, where you're hunting, time but of you year, always got to use your head and, yep. and think about is this the right spot, is this the right setup. So um, it's a it's a decently long episode, so we're gonna let we're gonna get right into it. Yep. And if you, unless you guys have anything else before we nope. do this, so um, enjoy the episode. Uh, make sure to to give Predator Tactics a follow. Yep. Um, Heath a follow as well. We'll we'll link everything in this episode because it is pretty fun to watch these live feeds and and uh, obviously they show back up after they're live too and you can watch them. Yep. Um, takes a sum with them. You know all the all this Bo fun Savage. stuff. Bo Savage. So uh, enjoy the show. This is the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. With us today is Heath Baker. Oh, hold on, hold on. I got to play some Macho Man Randy Savage music. <laughs> only appropriate. I don't, I don't know how to do that. But everybody, everybody listening, imagine some Randy Savage Macho Man music, and then cue and welcome to the show, Heath Baker. How's it going, man? <laughs> Pretty good, man. Uh, so for everybody listening, um, this show is obvious about coyote hunting. But before we get into everything, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to everybody? Uh, where you're from, what you do for a living, um, and some people would probably definitely want to know this. How did you get started coyote hunting? I actually just had a guy send me a, a, a novel, you know, asking me the same thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I uh, I grew up in the Bay of Missouri. That's where I was born and raised, which is just south of Harrisonville. But uh, I started coyote hunting when I was 13, my buddy's dad actually got me into hunting and we quail hunted one day he's like hey we saw a bunch of coyotes out and he's like i got 25 off six let's go try to call a coyote and i was like wait what we're gonna call these wild dogs in <laughs> we said i mean he blew on an old Cersei hand call and like five coyotes came in and he was shooting a single shot and he drilled one and i was like that was the coolest thing i've ever seen <laughs> in my life and he gave me that hand call and uh which that right there was like the start of the fucking, you know the whole the beginning of the man. end i I, <laughs> I drove my mom nuts for blowing that hand call <laughs> and uh then i just wanted to you know 
learn more and I found out there's other hand calls, there's open reads and you know, you can do vocals and all this stuff. And I started, I watched every Randy Anderson DVD about 30 times, learned a lot from him. And, yep. and back then we didn't have Facebook. You couldn't get on, you know, the line, the, the internet and find you know, videos. You couldn't get on Heath's really. Facebook page and watch him live <laughs> and try to figure <laughs> out the tactics. And... thinking about that though, you know, thinking about the fact that I lived in a day and age where you just couldn't get on. That Facebook wasn't available. Yeah. Watch it. Man. You had to pop a DVD but, uh, in to see it. <laughs> yeah. I know it's nuts, but yeah. And then I got my first rifle, which was 17 HMR and went out and missed my first 20 coyotes. Got frustrated. <laughs> got a 223. My grandpa helped me cut out cardboard silhouettes of coyotes, and I practiced shooting all the way out to, like, 500 yards. And then the first stand after, like, I just really got to know my rifle, you know, and I felt it, I, that kind of muscle man. And I practiced off my shooting sticks that I made out of dial rod. Yeah. I, I screwed pieces of dial rod together and put a string in between so they wouldn't completely fall apart on me. There you go. Yeah. Hell, we used one of those, I think, the last tournament we were in. We, we, we have to, to give a shout-out to my brother-in-law, Russell. Yeah. The last tournament we were in. He made us all shooting sticks with uh, dial rods, no, and with arrows. Yeah, he no, he, well, arrows. yeah, he did have yep. yeah, broken arrows. Yeah, two broken <laughs> arrows and rubber bands. <laughs> yeah, and dowel rods. He had, I think he was using dowel rods. He gave us the I've broken shot arrows. At, you know, five hundred yards off of freaking arrows before, but yep. but yeah, I know. I, I when I went out, like the very first stand after practicing, I hand called a, a single end. And it stopped at like 150, and you know, and it, when I first started, everything was 300 yards, and I had to hold over, you know, boom, and you shot two foot over its back. You just, I just got so excited. Yeah. And uh, when I called that first dog in and shot it with a hand call, man, it was like, it was honestly, like, I played sports and stuff, scored a lot of touchdowns, hit home runs, but shooting that first coyote, like fooling that coyote and drilling him in the chest was like yeah. the most gratifying, exciting thing I'd ever done in my life. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think my buddy and I kind of went from there. Animal. Yeah, it's What's it's that? it's like well, like Andy was saying, yeah. it's like it's that addiction to tricking a predator. Yeah, you won. You oh, know, yeah. I love deer hunting more than anything, to be honest with you. But and and elk hunting and all that stuff. But there's something about calling in a predator that you know that predator that you're you're calling in is coming to kill you essentially right the thing that you are pretending to be there's something about calling that predator into you uh and then winning and uh, we'll get into something here in a little while that i gotta tell you about and you're gonna be upset uh, disappointed in me but you know there's something about calling that coyote in. it's just different than you know deer hunting or or anything else really well that and i have adhd so it's hard to sit still i've killed a lot of big deer but Coyote stands. <laughs> when I first started, man, I made like maybe ten minute stands, and I got it would move on the next one, next one. Now I I killed a triple in an hour, like last night. Nice. Oh wow! wow. That, I did all day, all day. Made eleven stands, solid stands, and then and nothing. They just weren't moving. Some days they just don't. You know how it is. Oh, and yeah. then on that last stand, the guy I was hunting with, he he never really caught on before, but he was like, man, they're just not calling. We should hang it up. And I'm like, no that last stand can be magic man like i don't quit you know like every dry stand i have it's like i like just bite it to grit to you know wake up in the morning and go again because you know it's, it's such a challenge and you know I, I still get just like i did whenever i was 13 i get that 
gratification, you know, of just fooling that ultimate, not the ultimate predator, but they're, they're smart, man. They really are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump right into it then. So whenever you're going out, how long do you want, how long are you setting before you actually move or anything like that? Well, okay. So I, like I said, I used to sit like 10 minutes and it also depends on where you're hunting. Like out West, whenever you're calling for my, I mean, you know, those coyotes can hear that sound for a long, long way depending on how hard the wind's blowing. But, you know, out West, cause I hunt in Western Kansas and Colorado mm-hmm. and I've hunted Utah. You have to be very, very patient either way. I don't care if you hunt in Pennsylvania where tight cover, but you just have to be very, very patient. And, um, my, my stands on average are like an hour long. I'm, I'm very much quality over quantity. And like, like last night I, I ran interrogation. I always still start subtle and I'm, I might be jumping ahead here, but no, it's all right. If you, you, you always want to start subtle because if you throw a threatening howl out, there might be, you know, submissive coyote out there that doesn't want a piece of another aggressive coyote or aggressive coyote. So it might, you know, veer away. So you just kind of screwed yourself right there. Yep. So if you start subtle, it's more inviting and, uh, it doesn't, you know, push away any coyotes that, that aren't exactly aggressive. Now you might get lucky and there might be an alpha or an aggressive coyote right there, a territorial coyote that might come running in. But your odds are better if you start subtle and then you listen for a response. And based on that response, you know, you've already got a coyote interested. They're already, you have their attention at this point. If you howl and they howl back, you have their attention. You're already 20 steps ahead. So, but knowing vocals, like this is a, this is huge. I, over this, I've killed 200 coyotes since May 1st. That's and Screw over the you. summer, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll be, I mean, I'll, that's know, crazy. I'll fully transparent. I know it is. It's crazy to me because in the past, the most I've killed in one season, 73. Oh, wow. Also, well, I mean, also Heath, down. screw you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, it's like this summer, I like figured out like the piece of the puzzle that nobody, I don't feel like a lot of people figured out. Like, yes, it's hot. Yes you'll get bit by sea ticks, but you know, you can wear a t-shirt and you know, the first stand and the last or first two and last two stands, I was 85% kill ratio all summer. And we went, that's when I started going live. Yeah. And I think we had 16 stands in a row and I wasn't making any other stands besides those live stands. And I think we had 16 stands in a row before we had a dry one. And That's we awesome. killed a double, triple, triple, quad, double. Then That's we had a dry kills. stand, and then I killed another quad. So, and so during the summer, the coyotes are grouped up. They're packed up, and they're aggressive, and they're territorial. And they don't move around as much as they do in the, the fall and winter, you know. So when you have a pack of coyotes there in that area, that's their home core, and they're going to defend it. So vocals is where it's at. Out of, like, out of 90 coyotes, I only killed three on rabbit. So you're mostly just using other coyote calls then, like the howls and. The... I'm using vocals. I, I still, to this day, like even in the, during the winter time, I still kill. It goes from about eighty-five percent vocals in the summer and spring to like right now in the fall and winter. Probably I'm still probably seventy percent vocals. 
Gotcha. I think that's probably a, the biggest, I'd say, to me, just knowing misconception. Uh, or not, right. Is Yeah, that's exactly what I was getting at. Like, if you don't learn, take the time to learn vocals and – like, cause you know, whenever, if, if you play rabbit and that's, that's all you've done to kill coyotes, it's all, you know, you're not going to be comfortable just pushing a button and playing a house. You're like, Oh, what if I'm playing the wrong how? Right. Well, once you, you know, those basics start subtle. If they, if, uh, they want answers back and it's a long how just play a couple more and then stop and wait for it to come in. You know, don't sit there and how back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Cause all you're doing is, decreasing that coyote's attention with you and they're not going to come in if they're howling so at some point you want to shut it off and then make them move. make their curiosity best of them yep. be patient they don't show up within five ten minutes turn on a light pup distress and then that usually breaks them i have all the stats written down of like what race like how many coyotes came in after i shut up and hit pup distress how many mm-hmm. coyotes came in after a couple howls and they answered back like it's crazy so if but. you start with if you start subtle, uh, mm-hmm. so let's say you start subtle, um, which you you can explain to the listener if you want what maybe that would mean, and then after you start subtle, let's say you don't get a response, what are you doing? I don't mean you know, what does that? I mean if, that don't mean they're not there, my, but what are you going to do yeah. at, from that point? Well, if you watch my live feeds, I said all the mm-hmm. time just because they didn't howl doesn't mean they're not coming, right? Because there was a lot where I howled, but. I did, uh, and I'll answer the question about what I mean by subtle in a second, but I did an interrogation howl, and then I did a, a serenade, and it was dead silent. And I, I still waited five minutes, and right at five-minute mark, seven coyotes come running in. And didn't even say a word. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I meant. Like, how long you given that, that subtle start before yeah, you move so, on to the next so thing? What I mean by subtle is, like an interrogation howl, it's basically a coyote letting its presence be known in the area. You know, it's not like, hey, I want to fight. This is my territory. It's just kind of like a, like a, hey, who's all around? I'm kind of here. Sound. It's real subtle. You know what I mean? Right. And non-threatening. And then, uh, like, and, and it's if you think like a bell curve, like if a bell curve, like the howl, you know, starts out, and you know, ooh, then you get tired pitch, and then it slowly drops off. That's what interrogation house sounds like and looks like. But, you know, an answer how is if, you, if, if you're looking at a bell curve, it goes up and then it comes about halfway down and stops kind of abruptly. People get that confused with a challenge how sometimes because a challenge how is a lot more, um, what's the word? Actually, it's kind of sharp, isn't it? Time out. I'm do this right. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> He's going to get the sounds. I don't know. Okay. So, I'm going to give you an example. I don't know if it's going to blow your speaker out or not. But <laughs> yeah, we'll find pi- out. Pineapple. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this would be like a, a subtle uh, interrogation now. Okay. Yep. And then whenever, they may bark, but if they bark during that, it's not aggressive. It's just kind of a... I mean, that's kind of like a long now, too. You know what I mean? Sure. So now, you know, if, if, if you get an answer how back, like an invite how, 
it kind of sounds like a challenge, but it's not as, as like sharp, I guess. It kind of breaks down. So it's like. It's not as long. Right. But if you get a challenge out, which is, you can tell, if you just listen, it sounds aggressive and it's real sharp and short and there's there's a lot more barking in it. So it's. That's a challenge. But one of the biggest things people get confused about is a challenge and a warning. And a warning is a bad deal because that means they either saw you, smelled you, or they know something's up. Okay. But uh, I guess I might as well do a warning, too. <laughs> it sounds a lot like a challenge, but they don't shut up. When they challenge, they're sitting there listening for a coyote to challenge them back. It's like it's like the dude at the bar yells over and, and you know, I'm calls you a pansy and he just stands there <laughs> waiting for you to say something back you know right the, the warning is they're like not shutting up basically everybody needs to get out of here because he's sitting up on the hill and he's gonna shoot you right and, and you know they're not gonna shut up about it so it's like <laughs> it just keeps going on and on heard that before <laughs> so what, that's what that? the, so i've heard so that we've before. heard that before <laughs> oh yeah i have too and when, when i hear it i'm like uh i look at my buddy and he looks at me I'm like dang it <laughs> two options, we two options at that point you can either see the only good the, the only benefit to a, a warning is they're so busy barking and screaming they're not paying much attention and they usually just stand there see i've made move on them you know, like over the edge of a hill, and they're standing out there warning barking and snipe them from right there. Yeah. But point. it just depends. You know, around home, we got a lot of timber, so they usually get in the edge of the timber. You can't see them and do it, and then your best bet's to leave so you don't educate them anymore. Yeah. Right. Right. I think that's one thing that you've already said to us that I, I need to maybe be better at is, you know, we this time of year, me, Andy, Micah, all of our my buddies, we like to do these tournaments because they're really fun. I mean, you know, you get to, you know, have dinner at the end of the night, and it's just a lot of fun to do these tournaments. And when when we're hunting throughout the day, we'll get into a set, and we'll get in, set up, let it calm down for two seconds, call, 15 minutes, gone. And it's usually distressed. Right. Yeah, yeah and, and, like, we get right after it. And maybe we ought to just, like, be better about maybe picking the spots, which we'll talk about. Well, here's the di- So, around here – we have a pretty good coyote population, especially this year. We have a really good coyote population, but uh, we don't have near the coyotes that they have out west. Mm-hmm. So out west, like you watch all these guys, you know, and you hear about them hunting tournaments and making eight minute stands. That's because they have a stupid amount of coyotes, and they they're hunting a lot of very unpressured coyotes. Now every everybody they have way more ground, open ground, public ground than than we have around here. Sure. So there's a lot of more need to hunt. You know, over out west I have like two hundred thousand acres. You know, those coyotes don't get called, so I can sit down and just blow rabbit, and they're gonna come in. You know what I mean? Sure. Yep. You don't have to work them hard. Um, and like the place we're going down in Texas, my buddies went out there and just killed twenty something in like a day. And he wow. said he barely made it through a howl, and they were coming in. And I'll, that's where I'm headed on Monday, by the way. I'm stoked. Nice. That's what I thought you uh, said in one of your videos. You're hoping to be at like yeah. 2.40 by the time you come back <laughs> yeah, from Texas. Actually, yeah. No, nah, we're going to hunt three days, and I want to kill 50. 
Oh, there we go. That's awesome. Soul is 50. But, That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, but he, back home, you know, you, you got to be a lot more patient because there's a lot of coyote hunters around now, a lot. Yeah. I mean, the sport, it's grown drastically in the past, shoot, you know, I don't want to say five years, but in the last two years, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because everybody, now everybody, you know, deer hunts, um, and it really takes a series. They want to shoot coyotes after deer season. So that makes them a coyote hunter because they still got to have the tools to do it, you know. So, and uh, there's just a lot of a lot of pressure out there now. But I mean, if you change up your strategy on pressured ground, you still kill coyotes. So I but mean, you let's got to sit. Let's gotta sit longer. Let's talk about that then, right? You you start your 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 setup and you're you take it easy at first, right? And you let it go for however long all right you're not you don't see them you haven't heard them they haven't come in yet where where do you transition and what do you start doing do you start getting more aggressive do you move to distress downs of now, rabbits if, or? if they don't say a word if they don't talk to me at all uh then I, you know and i gave it like oh i don't know five ten minutes of silence to see if anything came in that's whenever i start with my distress but just like my house I start my distress with a subtle distress too. I don't just play the most loud, uh, you know, screaming bloody murder rabbit or whatever that I can play. Right. I start out with this, but because they're, I've had coyotes, I've ran into stupid amount of vocals and I've actually spotted a coyote laying out there and, ha- and he didn't care. He didn't care. Or he, you know, didn't want to come in and maybe he's just a Grinch. He didn't want to talk to people. I don't know. <laughs> but, he just he just laid there the whole time, but as soon as I turned on baby cottontail, real soft, stood up, came running in. I was kicking up dust coming in, so it, it's all about what you know. If they're uh, aggressive, if they're, I mean, maybe that guy hadn't eaten in three days. You know, he might not be the best hunter. <laughs> maybe he's not aggressive, <laughs> but he's hungry as hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you just because they're not answering you, it doesn't mean you know. And if they and if they don't show up whenever you have your you know your patient in between house, that's when you start with that subtle rabbit. And then if you, I usually play that around home, you know, ten fifteen minutes. But I don't. A lot of people ask, you just push the button, turn it up all the way, and let it roll. No, depends on how loud the wind is. I'm I'm like in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so we have ten mile hour wind. Um, I'm going to start out. I, I, I use a lucky duck, mm-hmm. and they get loud and they're super clear and. Um, you know, like predator tactics, uh, baby cottontails are real subtle, just, right. you know, whining rap. I'll start with that on like 12 and then every minute or so I'll just bump it up a click or I'll bump it up three clicks and then back it off a little bit. You know what I mean? Sure. So you're just trying to, you're just trying to reel them in, reel them in because you turn on 32 and blare and there's a coyote out there at 50 yards. You might startle him because that's not realistic. Rabbits just don't, right. you know start screaming and then just it's just not how it works really i mean they don't always start just kind of barely into it but if you get their curiosity going where they can barely hear that sound they're going to want to come in and investigate more so if it's just blaring in their ear you know what i mean yeah yeah that makes sense that's kind of like one of the biggest tips i can tell you if you howl and they answer and then they shut up and they still don't come in turn on like a subtle pup distress like pt submissive pup is like the best sound to do that with because it's so subtle and i just 
turn it on, like based on how far away I think that coyote was, just loud enough that I think he can hear it, you know. Yeah. And I just let it play. And then I'm, and, you know, a few minutes goes by, I might bump it up a couple more notches and just, you know, slowly ease it up. Yeah. Well, it does make me feel a little bit better about the call I just bought. Um, when I the first time I used it, I wasn't real happy with its uh, volume. But I right. mean, you're right. They they got good ears. I mean, they're gonna most likely yeah. hear it. But um, it did it did throw me off at first. I'm like, this thing is freaking quiet. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, they can hear it a lot farther away than you think, man. I've sure. called coyotes in from i swear to you I, I was looking through my binos and they look like black little black dots out there in, <laughs> in western kansas and they were like over i mean a half mile and i didn't even have the call all the way up that's crazy and i was like i couldn't believe they and they ran straight in on a rope full bore sprint it was crazy that's yeah, wild that's that's pretty awesome i mean their ears are so good i had one running in one time Full board, and he locked up, kicked dust up, turned, ran five feet to his right, grabbed the field mass, threw it up in the air, ate it, and then kept coming. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that before on some videos, man. That's crazy. Unbelievable. I looked at my buddy and said, did you see that? <laughs> like, They're impressive animals. That's, and that's why when I get out of like, this is another thing. You know, like, I, I'm home with a lot of people. And because uh, I enjoy that, you know, especially mm-hmm. guys that haven't shot a coyote before, or just only night hunted and. Like, when you see coyotes coming into the day, it's a whole new ball game. And that's another thing when you talk about day hunting versus night hunting. But, uh, yeah, like, uh, man, I lost my train of thought. Where was I? My ADHD kicked in. <laughs> Just how smart they are. How You were getting amazing. ready to invite us hunting. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're welcome any time. <laughs> we'll, we'll take you up on that sometime for sure. But, but, but no, they're they're just – they're a smart creature, but – you know, during the day, it's a different ball game, and they can hear so good that, you know, I hunt with a lot of people, and guys will get out of the truck and will slam the truck door. Or they'll <laughs> want to talk about, you know, baby mama, number two, walking in and how she's not very nice. And I'm like, <laughs> we have a lot of truck time in between stands. <laughs> now you it's know? quiet time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I got, you know, buddy, guys I hunt with, and it's so funny because I talked about this the other day. Like, I get, I laugh at myself a lot, especially when I watch a live feed, because I, I don't realize how into it I really am. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, like it's like almost watching somebody else when I'm just sitting at home, just you know, watching a video at the desk or whatever. And I, be- I rarely ever watch a live feeds back unless my son's at them. Yeah, uh, but oh, savage. Yeah, so it's funny because me and like Zach Davis and my buddy David Whitsky and and. Yeah, you know, we've hunted together a long time. When we're walking in, we're dead silent, like we're freaking SEAL Team Six going in to take out Bin Laden <laughs> or something. And we even like caught myself using hand signals to like, "You sit by that tree, I'm over here." You know, watch, you know, the perimeter. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I don't know. It's just so funny to me. But I mean, that's what we do because we know they can hear. And you know, yep. if you're walking in and you're being loud, you're slamming the truck door. All you're doing is alerting them and killing your odds you're killing it yep. or guys that just want to walk in and walk straight over the top of a hill with the sun on them you know and you're silhouetted and every coyote for a mile sees you or walk clean across the field and and you know it, it takes a it really does and i guess my you know my buddy david which like dude 
people don't understand how technical you actually get with this. And like, and I guess I, I never really thought about that because it's just what I do. But like the wind, as you guys know, every cow hunter should know the wind. If you don't have the wind, right, you're done. You're it's wasting over. your time. As a matter of fact, you're educating coyotes and making it harder to kill them. And what I mean by that, like, what do you mean have the wind, right? Well, when I walk into a coyote stand, first off, I've already looked at these, this spot on Onyx Maps for about three hours before bed because I can't sleep. So I'm trying to figure out <laughs> where these guys are probably going to be at first light. You know what I mean? At first light, they're out, out in the fields and stuff. So if you think about that, if you walk through the field to get to the, the other hill on the other side or whatever, or you walk in and the wind's blowing from you to them, you're done. Or, you know, if you have a crosswind, but it's blowing, you know, from left to right, and you can't really see down to your right, they're going to circle and you're not going to get shot. So you want to try to, in your head, break down to where you think they're going to be at at that time and base your stand on that rather than going in, oh, I hope a coyote comes in from somewhere out there, you know. And guys, like, I'm going to say this, but the guys that hunt with me know that, like, this happens, like, almost every stand. I will say the cow, they're going to come from that corner right there, or they're going to walk right down this fence line, and I'm going to shoot them in that flat. I can almost predict exactly where they're going to come from. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, you just never know. You never know. But more than not, like, I break down my stands and figure out where they're going to be, which way they're going to circle based on the wind, um, and you can dictate that, where, you know, um, based on where you put the call. And there stands, and I'm throwing a lot of information out there. Oh, no, this great. is perfect, dude. This is what, I mean, there's, there's, this is why we called stands you. Where, there stands where you, like, I love hand-calling coyotes. I love it. And I'm pretty salty on hand-calling because I practice a <laughs> lot, like a lot. Giving myself migraines driving in the truck, you know, <laughs> back when I was in college. Uh, just freaking, and people pulled up by a stoplight and people looking at him like what in the hell is that guy doing <laughs> but uh this old teen wolf over there doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was but so when you're blowing hand call you're making the sound so the coyote is going to circle your location your, you. your location right they're going to circle you and their attention is all going to be on you so if you're hunting a, a spot where they could pop up really close in the brush or come in from behind you that's not what you want to do you know you know i i use hand calls a lot whenever I'm two in, in two situations where I can see a long ways and see a lot and see my downwind and I'm confident they're not going to backdoor me come in from behind or um, if I'm in like wide open country like, yeah yeah you that know, you can see you them circling brush, if you can have a pop, if they pop up close and you use a hand call you're done mm-hmm. um, so you want to put that e-caller out there because that takes the tension off of you and it, it kind of dictates, you know, the spot they're coming to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So, and they can get as technical as if the wind's blowing from right to left and you put the call out to the right, they might pop out of that tree line. And if you got to call close to the tree, you know, five feet from the tree line, they're going to smell the call and run back in. Well, you don't have a very good shot opportunity. But if it's blowing from right to left and you put it out to your left, they got to cross that whole field mm-hmm. to get to the call, right? Yeah. So you just gave yourself more opportunity to shoot them and yeah you might put it out there to the right and one pops out and you shoot him but what if there's five and you want them all lined up right out in front of you so when you're using an e-call i mean when you're when you're when you're using mouth calls i'm guessing uh like you said you're 
you're in a situation where you're you're basically up against a wall where you know they're not gonna you know come from behind you. You've got that figured out. But when you're using an e collar, uh, are you are you almost always using a decoy with it, or do you rarely use decoys? No, no I man, I'm like fifty fifty on the decoy because like out west, they will come flying in to decoy, like flying and like Texas and other places like that for some reason around home even over in eastern kansas i've had them coming in on a rope to rabbit as soon as i see the decoy they like lock up and i'm like huh and then they circle where they they just sit there because they don't they can't figure it out hmm. so around home i really don't because they, if you think about it like and the other reason is when they do lock on it it's hard to stop them they go they might run and just grab the call and never break stride and, you know, if you don't have a shotgun sitting next to you, you better be a good running shot. But whenever you don't have a decoy, they come in and they're kind of searching for it. So it keeps them in front of you longer. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, we're still kind of new to all this. And we we take, always take the decoy out with us. We might have to yeah. we're gonna try it without. Now, now, when you're calling for a bobcat, you drastically increase your chances of killing when you have a decoy. Boom. Because they're very visual creatures, very visual creatures, and they lose their attention pretty quick, and they come in super, super slow sometimes, yeah. except for the 34-pounder the that we called. I called in the other day. <sighs> that was ridiculous. Yeah. That was huge. They came in from 500 yards on the edge of a, a cut bean field first day, and I thought it was a coyote so big. What do you do whenever you call in a bobcat twice and still don't <laughs> kill it? Shut up, dude. I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah, I do have a question. Go back to the range. <laughs> well, that's that's exactly right, dude. You you hit that right on the head. I mean, the first thing is we'll 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 get into bobcats because I do want to ask you questions about bobcats too. Um, right. But one thing I read when I was when I was going to go hunt, hunt this bobcat specifically that I had on trail cameras. He's really pretty and whatever else. So I'm like, I'm going to go hunt this dude, and. I set up the way I set up for this bobcat was kind of like you would elk hunt. I had the, I was in the timber first off. I had the the call and the decoy, uh, where I would be in between where the cat was coming from and the call and the decoy. Um, right. So first off, you can tell me how dumb I am on that. I have no idea. That was just my thinking on that. Uh, I got him to come in uh, the first time and. He, he caught me moving up in the tree stand, and I rushed the shot, and I, I chalked it up to I missed him because I rushed. Um, right. So, Your odds are way better ground for a cat. Yeah, and I've, I'll tell you what happened here in a second, too, because I went after him again like five days later, which I thought this isn't going to work, but I, I ran that call almost nonstop. I did change stuff up for about an hour, and he finally came in. Well, and that's what I, you want to do for uh, that's one off. question I was going to ask you. I I read that you pretty much want that call to go the entire time. Uh, yeah, you like, and I like using um, real high pitch, fast pace sounds. But like with cats too, I'll start subtle, but I'll switch over to like so like predator tactics, sell sounds, and I have hand call recorded sounds on there. Uh-huh. But uh, my favorite sounds is that HP Twitter bird, which uh, I did on a hand call. Maybe I got it. Um, but it's, it's real, it's real high pitched and fast. So it gets, it gets the cats kind of excited. You know what I mean? Yeah. But 
you just sit there and let that call roll. I mean, you got to let it go because, they, like I said, they lose their attention fast. And that Twitter bird, I don't know if I can do it on this one, but it sounds like. Kind of sounds like a bird in stress, you know. Yeah, that's that's what I was using uh, during those, and and the second, and this this is exactly to your point you were talking about with shooting. Uh, the second time I had him, I got him to come in. Uh, he did not see me, and I had all the time in the world to shoot him, and then I missed him again, and so I thought, what the hell? That there's no way I could have missed him. So I went back, and I I set up a, a target. And I shot that target the exact same way I, st- I was sitting in the tree stand. And I was nine right. inches low all three shots. Oh, man. And so I'm like, well, it could be the rifle, right? So I, I set my rifle up. I laid down prone, laid the rifle over my bag, and I put it Probably. right right on the bullseye twice. So angle. it Well, and it's it's me freehand shooting. I, you know, I'm up in a yeah. tree stand, and I'm, I'm holding that gun freehandedly, and apparently I'm doing something wrong. So – Time to go practice. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> well, I always one of my biggest things is like I, you know, guys are like oh, I've got a, like my rifle is shoot quarter inch group off of the, you know, at the range. I, you know, I kill cats 500 yards. I don't care how accurate your rifle is. Like you're not going to shoot off the sandbags when you're out kite hunting. You yeah. know what I mean? Yep. You know, I always practice and shoot. Like I'll die. Obviously, I'll dial my rifle in. On the sandbag, so I want to make sure I know where it's hitting. But you know, after that, I'm shooting. I'm, when I practice, like we got steel. Me and my buddy Zach Snyder built the steel range. It goes out to like eight hundred thousand yards. But I shoot off of my my tripod, my my dead eye predator tech dead eye tripod, just like I, I mean, sitting on the ground or sitting up in my stool, just like I do when I'm in a stand. Because all you're doing there is like you know building confidence. You know yeah. when you when you ring up. I kind of steel plate at 500 yards six times in a row, uh, you know, just like you would out in the field sitting in a chair and your seat are off the ground. Your your odds of killing one at 500 yards when you're out hunting are going to be way better than, you know, I know I can shoot off the sandbags and now I'm on these shooting sticks because a lot of things are in the play whenever, you know, you actually call on a coyote. You know, you, you obviously you're going to breathe heavier. And, but th- honestly, that's the reason – why I, I kill so many coyotes now is because I don't, I, I keep my composure. Sure. Yeah. If you think about it, how many times, like, do you get overly excited and overthink? You think too much and then you, and then you pull the trigger and it's like, you don't even remember where you aimed. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, right. like what is this? 100%. Like, but if, if you go back and watch that triple I shot last night, I had a guy comment and he said, uh, you waited forever whenever they popped out to shoot them. You should have just shot and, and, you know, and, you know, and killed them. And I'm thinking, why? You know, but he, most hunters would have. Like, this double pops out. The male's screaming at me. I said, you got and a triple because you waited, if I'm not mistaken, if I watched it right. Yes, yes, because they, I, whenever they initially howled, my buddy Tyler's like, how many do you think there are? I said, five. And there were five. Yep. Uh, and so I knew there was three more back there and I was sitting patiently waiting. But to do that, you got another body language because 
if you it, like uh, people don't look at it this way but they should and, and i should do a better job posting about it too and i could go back and do a video on it but that video right there that tactic can video is very educational mm-hmm. because you got one coyote that's standing in the edge screaming because he came into a challenge and he th- he's the alpha and he thinks you know there's a male in his area and then you have this other guy just kind of standing there and you can tell it's disinterested it's not really that interested and it kind of you know turns its shoulder and when it turns and goes to walk off you know it's going to leave and uh that's when i shot the one i was screaming at me but i gave time because the other ones in the back caught up when i shot that i switched straight i mean as soon as i pulled the trigger other mode in my hand switched over to my pub distress and the other ones came right in now, if I'd have shot, you know, smoked the first one, right when they popped out, the back ones might not have been up there close enough to want to come in, and they might have heard that back there and not exposed themselves, you know? Right. So, I mean, patience is a virtue, but really knowing their body language, you know, when they're going to leave, or if they're really interested is, you know, key. Yeah. So, so but just keeping that, they're not rushing it. And I mean, you want to kill three, or do you want to kill one? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, exactly, right, exactly. Yeah, and that, and that's where I mean, going back to that cat, that's probably a mistake I made. Um, was probably setting up in the timber. I just, you know, the way my setup was, I I, I didn't think he was going to come all the way out to the field, but it, right. I mean, I also had the call in the decoy in the timber. He didn't need to. If I had that call in the right. decoy sixty yards further out in in the field, I mean, it might have br- br- you know draw drawn that cat further through the timber. Yeah. Um, you know, I just and had most this. Some of the time when they do it, they'll, they'll come out to an edge and sit there, mm-hmm. yep. make sure the coast is clear, and then they'll crouch down. I got some awesome footage. I got a post of a, a cat that my buddy, the first cat he ever killed, Zach Davis shot it, and uh, it, I told him when he sat down, I said, "Bobcat's gonna come out. It's gonna sit right there in that point." He's like, "Okay." Eight minutes into it, Bobcat came out and sat right down on that point. <laughs> and it was it wasn't gonna come in off that point anymore because it it you know, it just it didn't I didn't have a decoy. If I would have a decoy it yeah. came right to it. But you know, um it just sat there and he, he grilled it. But yeah, they'll just come and sit and just, you know, look around and that's why you have to be extremely still because they catch especially if it's dead calm. Yeah. They catch a little and they're done. But that's also why the decoy keeps their attention off of you. Well, and that's, but, uh, I mean, the first time, I'll, I'll, I love this boy. I, this is the second time my son has seen a bobcat with me, and he's seen the cat before I ever did. And He's like, Bo then. Oh, he's, Bo he, yeah, he's, he he, he's good luck, too, because this time I took him with me. I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, buddy, we're going to go bobcat hunting, and we climbed up in these, this tree stand. And 15 minutes into it, he looks at me. He's like, Daddy, what's that? And I'm like, what are you looking? What, what are you looking at, dude? I don't, I don't see what you're saying. And he goes, that thing right there, and I still don't see it. And we're talking. 40, Sounds like you should have gave him the. Good- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we're we're talking About forty yards away it. right here, Heath. So finally, I I don't think he sees anything. So I stand up, and I go, what are you talking about? And as soon as I stand up, I see that bobcat look up at me, and I'm like, oh, you mean that freaking thing? <laughs> and so so I rushed the shot because the cat turned around to leave. Um, but that right. kid, I mean, he saw it. He saw that thing walk for thirty yards before I ever even saw the thing. I mean, it, it's he's he's good at that. But you know, the second time it was one of them deals where that cat was much more. Uh, 
he did exactly what you said. He came to right where the clearing was, and he sat on a log and started looking. And then he saw the, the decoy, and then he started circling, and I, I took a shot at him pretty much in the same spot as last time. And like I said, right. missed him again. But um, so with with a with a with a coyote, you'll do some calling and waiting, calling and waiting. Whereas on yeah. a bobcat, you pretty much want to go call 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 call. 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 Yeah, just stay with stay with you know your distress and start subtle, and then jump it up to more aggressive distress and yeah. just let it play. But you know you don't you want to I call it stair step, but. You want to fluctuate the sound volume level too. You just don't want to leave it on full bore. You want to work it up real slow. Uh, a buddy of mine, Dennis Riley, he lives um, in Missouri. He hunts like the Mark Twain National Forest down there. Yeah, dude killed sixteen cats in a season. Called them all in. That's crazy. But he is the most patient dude I know. He, I mean, no, and I'm ha- I'm pretty deaf. I remember hunting with him one time, and Dennis is listening to this. He's gonna chuckle, but. We sat there for like eight minutes. I'm like, I leaned over. I said, and he was running the call. I said, Dennis, you gonna turn the call on? He goes, It is on. <laughs> <laughs> that stopped. I'm like, Oh, okay. And you know, <laughs> you know, 45 minutes later, you know, I can hear it. <laughs> there you, go. you know, but but you know, and now my coyote stands there that long, but. That guy will sit there and fluctuate that sound up and barely move it up and, and gradually build it up, you know. Yeah. And because the, those cats can be super close, too. And I mean, me and Zach walked past a – literally walked two feet from a bobcat that was sleeping, sat down, and within 30 seconds called it in. And it came down the trail. We literally walked down. But, That's yeah, awesome. you just don't want to blow them out of the water with the sound starting out. You want to start something soft and work your way up. Yeah, that makes sense. But one other thing is, like, people, um, everybody's like, whoa, if, is it too windy if the wind's blowing 20? I actually killed the most coyotes I've ever killed in one day. We killed 18 um, with a 20-mile-an-hour wind. That's wild. And the thing about coyotes is their weapon's their nose. Yeah. And uh, if there's no wind blowing, they can't, you know, it's not pushing that scent very well, so they can't use their nose, so they're more cautious you know, coming in, and if it, I, you know, the days that I've been skunked are days where it's dead calm. I hate hunting when it's dead calm. Yeah. Hate it. It's almost like they're more, uh, they're more confident when it's windy, because they oh, they yeah. know what they're smelling. Yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, you know, in that wind, also in my mind, this is my hypothesis. It it distorts that sound a little bit when they're farther away. So they just get bit, bits and pieces of it, which also catches their curiosity more. Instead of just hearing you know, full bore rabbits screaming the whole time, you know, right. it might you know break up that sound a little bit and and coax them in a little more. So do you change? But yeah, I think a perfect wind for me is like ten to fifteen. Yeah, that makes but sense. I killed coyotes. Stupid, stupid winds, like forty mile an hour gusts. <laughs> and my buddies, we couldn't keep head. And my buddies like, we're not going to kill nothing today. I said, but if we do, it'll be epic. <laughs> <laughs> Makes for a good story, right? He's like, all right, man. And, I mean, he was filming out west, and it was so windy, like, the shotgun mic was just, <laughs> if I said a word, he couldn't hear. He couldn't hear the call. But we got down in the bottom of this canyon, and it was still windy down there. And called the coyote in in, like, four minutes. <laughs> that's awesome he was like 
how you just did that. But you, got, you just got to change up your strategy and get closer to him when it's windy. And you got to change up your strategy on pressured coyotes and, and get in there closer to where they're at because pressured coyotes aren't going to want to step out in the wide open because that's where Billy Bob drove by and shot at him out the window. And right. probably ain't having that. Yeah. Like northern Missouri, tough coyote calling a lot of it. I mean, it's tough up there. Yeah. Because guys are driving around, they're running dogs, they, they're calling, they're, you know, um, pushing coyotes and. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, and I hunted on some uh, primo ground up there with a buddy who's got a lot of ground and guides deer hunts named Sean, but um, we, we saw coyotes, and they would just walk off. They didn't care from, like, 800 yards away. Yep. I'm like, all right, these coyotes are pressured, so we got down in a telephone pole cut out. We got to get in their face. First yeah. time we got the brush like that, called a coyote in, shot him at five yards, went to another stand in some thick brush. He's like, dude, I can't see nothing. I said, well the coyotes still come i mean they're in here so it just played real subtle you know sound and i played something completely different than everybody else played i played uh uh baby red fox distress another coyote came in killed it so you just got to change up your strategy that makes sense do you change your strategy i guess for time of year uh you know as far as like breeding oh, seasons big, and things i mean what big yeah like uh, during the summer, I barely use rabbit. Okay. During the fall, I use a lot of vocals. You know, and uh, probably I'm probably howling to about ten o'clock. That's my start howling time again, of day. Start five, two on. In the middle of the day, I'll just get real close to where I think they're at, unless it's really cold and overcast. And I'll just, you know, I might sit off of it a few hundred yards still because they're more likely to come in when it's super cold like that. But Otherwise, I get close to their cover, kind of like I'd hunt a pressure coyote and start soft. Yeah, but during breeding season, man, that's my favorite time. Well, I don't know, summertime it's kind of, it sounds crazy, <laughs> but summertime times because there's just, you call in so many multiples. And, yeah, right. that makes sense. But uh, breeding season, usually, you know, you're back to vocals. You're using female house, pair house, um, and then like submissive breeding sounds and like I got a sound that I recorded with Predator Tactics called HP Breeder, mm-hmm. and it is—it's got like some chirps in it. It sounds like uh, a coyote getting after a female, and she's like kind of fighting a little bit. And that sound—you could play it by itself during breeding season, and you're, you're going to kill coyotes. It's like the coyote ruts, so call it, but they, yeah, yeah like exactly, the coyote, exactly. So they're stupid, just like deer, then, huh? <laughs> well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, the males are pretty focused on, you know, breeding, and, and the females are focused on not getting bred. <laughs> Most of them, they, you know, fighting off the males. And yeah, and you can call a lot of multiples during that time of the year, too. Yeah. And you, you just made a comment. You said you have, like, this time of year, so you, like, you vocal use vocals to, like, 1030 or so, and after that, you use a lot more distress or so? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like middle of the day, I stick with distress and pup distress. Okay, okay. It's like fishing, man. Like you just gotta kind of figure out what they're biting on, and some days, right? Well, and I think that's for the for the listener to understand. Like, there's so much to learn coyote hunting. Yeah, we're not gonna talk about all of it in this this podcast. I mean, I want people to be able to take some some tips away from this from a from an amazing coyote hunter that knows what the hell he's doing and hopefully people can take some 
you know, some tips and tricks. I mean, I've, I've already got one that I've got to be more patient on my sits. I'm especially on these, even in these tournaments where you feel like you got to hit all your spots in one day. Well, no, maybe prioritize your spots and be more patient at your best spots instead of trying to hit everything. Me and John Gilmore, a good buddy of mine, he's been a lot of my videos, you know, with me and, we hunted a tournament. <laughs> Funny story, man. We hunted the tournament, and uh, we made six stands, killed eight coyotes, and we won. So I thought, because we show up, and you know, <laughs> the other people had, uh, I think, five, and I'm like, oh yeah, we, you know, we're feeling pretty good about it, and because uh, we went quality over quantity, you know. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, every one of those stands, but two, took over like 20 minutes. Um, so if we would have made 10 minute stands, we, you know, but so we roll into this tournament, we think we got it whipped and I never looked at the flyer and John just said, it's coyote tournament, you know, you want me to do with him? I said, okay. All of a sudden this truck rolls up and the back of the bed looks like it's just full of black trash bags. And I'm like, <laughs> what is that? And I uh, get out and I'm like, this dude had hundreds of crows in there. Well, come to find out crows were the point and coyotes were three points. i never knew that that's funny i I couldn't do nothing but laugh about it you know because obviously i wouldn't even have hunted it if the crows were one point you know like right that were crow tournament yeah uh, (laughs) i've never even heard of it i haven't either i never heard of a coyote tournament having crows critter tournaments whatever they call them yeah but what would you say what would you say your top five sounds are? If you had five sounds that you could use and only five, what would you say they'd be? Right. I'm going to make you delete well, the rest of them off your call, and these are the five you get. What are you picking? I mean, if you watch a live feed, my goal with those live feeds was to show people that the – like okay, that wasn't the goal. The goal really was to educate people and – and just like show them like how much I enjoy it and mm-hmm. to teach them, you know, things. But it, it, you know, there's a business aspect to it because I'm with predator tactics and, right. and I wouldn't be with anybody or any, you know, that didn't sell product. I wouldn't spend my own money on because mm-hmm. that's just not how I roll. Um, but I wanted people to see that these sounds do work because, you know, Guys can say, you know, oh man, these sounds are the best of the best. But and you know, there's guys out there that film, but film can be edited. And I'm not saying people do that. <laughs> what I'm saying is, it can be on done. A live feed, you can you cannot deny it. Right, all. right. Period. You can't argue it. Yep. You can't say, oh, he didn't kill 200 guys off of PT sounds in six months. No, yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> Here <laughs> and, it is. Every one of them was all predator tactic sounds. Now, you can get like all of them for like hundred bucks, or but you can buy like each different packages. But so, the sounds that I kill the most coyotes off of are PT female interrogation, mom pup serenade, submissive pup, uh, baby cottontail, and HB breeder. Top five. Boom. There we go. I can write it down. Still take. Every one of those, and only use those five. Now, I've killed coyotes on Blue Ribbon Bunny, and, uh, uh, oh, man, 
it has to be six because uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right we'll give you one more we'll get a bonus yeah one. bad brothers that like a must have too i was getting ready to ask about bad brother because i think that uh, yeah, uh, one of the videos i watched bo was begging for bad brother yeah. and actually to take it even more technical it goes usually when i play these sounds it's, it's like submissive pup because it's subtle and then if i want to make it more aggressive either jump into hp breeder or bad brother you know, okay. I just kind of, depending on if I've hunted that stand before and played this stand before, or played this at that stand, you know. Um, but, yeah, those six sounds have killed a lot of coyotes, a lot. Awesome. Very cool. So, I'll oh, go ahead, Micah. Uh, after you, how often are you visiting your sets? Like, if you called this place, how long, how much time are you giving it before you go back and try again? It depends. Really, okay, so the, the number one thing to kill on coyotes is having coyotes. And if you don't have a lot of ground, it's hard to kill a lot of coyotes. You know what yep. I mean? Now, especially during the summer because they don't move. So if you just killed six coyotes off of this one spot, there's a, you know, there there might not be other coyotes that run mix that don't move as far during the summer, you know. Mm-hmm. But during the winter, so I, during the summer, I do not hit spots within, like, I'll give it two weeks. Now, during the summer, I might give it a week, um, or I'll switch it up on a, and hunt it on a different wind, different time of the day, play different sounds. You know what I mean? just depends on how big the spot is. Yeah. Yeah, if you're hunting you know, a 50-acre spot, I mean, yeah, you you can't really. But, you know, the coyotes move around more, like five miles square radius on average during the winter months. So, you might have coyotes filter in that weren't there before, you know, unlike the summertime when they're just kind of there right you know but the summertime once you figure out where they're at you got it you know you got a good you're 20 steps ahead during the winter you just like well they're probably going to be traveling this hedgerow you know back to bedding they're probably going to bed over there so you know late morning or mid-morning i'm going to try to catch them from point a to going to point b you know in a lot of ways it's kind of like deer hunting you know as far as the wind goes and targeting yeah, at this time of the day, and because obviously, like in the middle of the day, you're not going to walk through your bedding to get in the deer stand. But if you're going at first light, you can walk through that thick stuff because they're probably going to be out in the field, and then you sit down on the edge of it. Yeah, catch them coming back. Yep. Okay, so maybe get into a little bit more when you're looking on Onyx and stuff. What are you focusing in on? I mean, I know you said, like, in the mornings they're probably going to be out in the fields and stuff, but as far as, like, the... Yeah, I'm looking over for, uh, if there's cows, there's coyotes, especially in the wintertime. Cows, there's coyotes. Uh, so if you're in cattle pasture, and then, like, where's the thickest stuff relative to that cattle pasture? It's probably where they're bedding. Even though coyotes can bed in the wide open, they do that, especially when it's super cold. Mid-morning, they'll, if it's super cold, mid-morning, they'll, when the sun comes out, they'll get up and lay down on the hillsides and stuff. Mm-hmm. Makes and, sense. Yeah, you, you know, get that sun. The, yep, and or you know they'll just try to catch sun and kind of mouse around in open fields, and that's why you see so many more coyotes in the winter out in the open in the middle of the day because they're cold. All right, they're trying to warm up, and find some food because they have to eat to stay warm and for energy mm-hmm. during the 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 winter. You know that's why rabbit distress and stuff works. You know right now, you know going into breeding season, but um, but when I look at a map, I'm looking at vantage points. You know where based on the wind. First off, I look at, okay, the wind's going to be out of the north. Can I access it from the south? And is there a vantage point to where I can see really well? 
is there a way I can sneak in or not walk through the wide open field? Um, can I slip around the bottom of this hill and sit, you know, kind of on the edge of it? Am I going to be silhouetted on that hill? Because you don't want to silhouette yourself. Uh, you always want to sit by some sort of cover. Um, but sometimes there's not cover, and that's why I built that Viper hood. Mm-hmm. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, they're trying to be, you know, sniper or something. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's got a purpose. And uh, Right, yeah, it obviously works. <laughs> yeah, I, I call coyotes within feet of me, and grass is like, like a golf course. <laughs> they, I mean, that, that little Viper hood thing is, I mean, it's a game changer. But, uh, and it just lets me hunt more spots when there's no cover. I, mean, mm-hmm. I literally sit anywhere. But, yeah, I mean, I look for, if it's hot in the summertime, I look for a water source because there's probably going to be, you know, they're probably going to want to be close to some sort of water source. And if there's only one water source on this place in the summer, they're probably going to be close to there. So I want to base my stand where I can see that. You know, the cover near it. Um, I'm like, my brain is like a freaking highly efficient computer just taking in. When I'm walking into a stand, <laughs> I'm taking in all this data from which way I'm seeing coyote tracks. Is there fresh winds? Is there fresh scout on the ground too? Um, is the sun going to be at my back? So I don't want it, you know, in my face. Because whenever, you, if you can get the sun at your back and the wind at your face, the coyotes when they come in they're looking right right at first light they're looking right into that sun right. or last light they have a hard time seeing you and that's like perfect scenario right. but uh i mean there's just so much that goes through my brain when i'm looking at a map or walking in it's crazy how far apart uh would you say you like say you had i don't know a couple hundred acres how far apart would you want your sets at a minimum? So people, you know, to maximize your It just depends your on the wind. It depends on the wind, too. I mean, and how loud you play your caller. I mean, if you're blaring it and you're sitting there for an hour and it's not that windy, which I would blare it on a calm day anyways, um, you know, you're going to have to move a thousand yards. But, like, out in, out in like, Colorado, shoot, dude, we'll move, like, five, six hundred yards on a, you know, a decently windy day and kill mm-hmm. coyote every single stand. It's nuts. But around here, you know, I'll move, if it's say blowing 10, 15 mile an hour, I'll move, you know, a thousand yards, make another stand. But if I play my call real soft and I don't howl, then, you know, I might move 500 yards. Okay. Nice. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of good info for people. Oh, I do have another question for Heath. I said we can ask questions. All yeah, 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 yeah. People want to know this, and you've killed hundreds of coyotes, but do you know the heaviest coyote you've ever shot? Yeah, fifty-three pounds. Jesus. Wasn't that just a couple weeks ago? Yeah, a few weeks ago, I shot in one in in like I don't know what was it three stands. I killed well, actually four. My son, my five-year-old, both savage. <laughs> he shot a 45-pound coyote, and I killed a 53-pound coyote. That's crazy. Over off of it. And then we killed a triple that stand, actually. What is the world record, like and 74 pounds, something like that? No idea. It's probably, it's probably a Canadian coyote. So I, I think I read that somewhere. But And then what is the uh, – I mean, you probably have a bunch, but what's the prettiest coyote that you ever – you know, what? what's your – the coyote that you're like, damn, that favorite. thing's gorgeous. What's your favorite one you've ever the shot? The most beautiful that I actually didn't kill it, but I hand-called it in whenever I was 17 over in Richards, Missouri. 
and I literally thought it was like a uh, a Labrador because you know how those those uh, labs they they have blonde they're just real blonde mm-hmm. yeah this was blonde and white at its it looked like it had white socks on oh wow it was the craziest prettiest coyote and he shot it at seven steps <laughs> and I, in I, your face and called it yeah I mean it was it was the prettiest dog we skinned it out. And, we, let me put it. We tried to skin it out. <laughs> <laughs> At seventeen, I can imagine it, how. But you... it was pretty. <laughs> <you know? laughs> At one point, it was. Yeah, pretty. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. was, you probably had to get it so close to make sure it wasn't a lab. Like, damn, that thing looks like. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, and uh, I've I killed. I've killed like. Actually, I had that triple. I shit that the one that was barking at me. Um, that footage you can see on the Predator Tactics Facebook page, but. Yep. He had he was like gray and silver, mm-hmm. and he was the alpha, and uh, he was pretty heavy too. But he had these black markings on his back on his guard here. He was just a cool freaking coyote. But I shot one one time that literally didn't have any teeth. It was that old. Oh wow! I would, I'd love to age him, but uh, he was gray. He didn't have hardly any color to him. He was just gray. That's crazy. And. That's cool. And, but what the coolest part is, like, and I love the, this, like, story of the, you know, sometimes there's, like, a story to a coyote. Like, uh, this coyote, the landowner told me, I see this monster coyote that looks like he's just, you know, ancient all the time out in this pasture. And I, I hunted him twice. And finally, I got down to where I really thought he was at in the thick timber. And it was actually the very first live feed I ever did. And I was holding my phone. And my phone was <laughs> My phone video is terrible. So you can barely see this whole thing, this this thing streak in there. And it was like 13-minute mark. And I shot him. And I get up there, and it's like this gray. I mean, it was just an old. But you got to respect that because, oh, without a doubt. I mean, that thing, the stuff that thing's seen, and it's like, how was how he surviving? Just like, well, I mean, no he, teeth. Couldn't, he couldn't, right. couldn't tear a rat apart. Like, he must have been eating bugs and worms or mm-hmm. uh, maybe he was a vegetarian. Out there know, gumming it. But. Yeah. yeah that's crazy i got crazy. but what else is cool is like the change and like I've, I've hunted a lot of places north dakota south dakota um texas and you know colorado prettiest coyotes are up in north dakota and colorado but i mean i say that they're just light you know real light colored and then around here we have a lot of darker mm-hmm. red you know almost like a brown yeah. brindle looking coyote yeah um well, it, Micah, not, isn't it your buddy that trapped? Uh, he trapped, trapped black, two black melanistic ones. Yep. Yeah, he trapped one off my brother's land, actually. But I have only one black coyote in my life, and I—you would think out of all the coyotes I've killed, <laughs> I get one. And I, the one black coyote I saw, I could have shot him. Because I was walking in, and I see that I'm like, oh man, somebody's dogs in here. Oh. He was like a hundred yards, and I, yeah. I got, I started like squinting. I'm like, wait a minute, pull my binos up, and there was a, a I mean, a normal looking cat right behind him. By the, they saw me, they bolted him. Yeah. Like, well, if you think about it, though, I mean, I know you don't know me, but my German Shepherd, he's a black sable German Shepherd, and other than weighing ninety five pounds, if you saw him out in the field, dude, yeah, yeah, mean, yeah, those black melanistic coyotes don't look a whole lot different than he does. Yeah, yeah. no, they, no, this thing was so massive. I never saw that coyote again, man. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to, but. 
So, so you, uh, since you're from Missouri and stuff, you probably know that now they opened up uh, opportunities to where we can hunt at night, starting uh, February first, February February 2021. So, what is what's the difference between your day setups and your night setups like? Is and it February, January. Yeah, it's, it's February first to March thirty first. Yeah. I thought I thought it was January first. I did too, but then we actually just recorded a show with Department of Conservation, and it starts February one. And goes to March thirty one. Yeah. And, and another question, are you buying some uh you buying some thermal thermal stuff or what do you I mean what are you gonna do, you know, in that situation? I, I actually have an I have an ATN door four. <laughs> that's a, yeah, I yeah, just that's told the them a while ago if I was gonna pick one, that's the one I was gonna pick. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you though, I really like shooting guys with an IR light. Like here's the thing. Thermal is awesome. They can't hide. Right. So first off well, yeah, I'll talk about this and I'll jump into that, but uh, thermal is really hard to judge distance in. It's almost impossible. Um, but I've got the ABL, which is like the laser rangefinder that you can attach to the thermal, and then you click a button, it tells you how far it is. So it's easy. That's super nice. But, uh, you know, like opening up, here's, here's the basics. Opening up this thermal season, you can go out there with lights and kill the crap out of them. Now, Next year, get a little harder with lights, and then it's going to get really hard to call them in lights. But starting out, you could go out and buy, like, Predator Tactics sells some amazing mm-hmm. lights. Like, we got a handheld that'll shine over a 1,000. I mean, it's crazy. Down to, you know, like $200 lights that so you can kill guys 250 yards all day. And then really, you know, around here, 250 yards is shine across the field. But right. um, uh, it's just it's a different hunt, you know? Like, but that that IR, it's just like looking in daytime in black and white, and that that PT double uh, XL IR. I shot a coyote 550 yards through that thing. Jeez! Wow. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's you can see that far with it. Yeah, and, that's a good point, though. Know, I mean, thermal, this, this first you year, you can afford a thermal. That's awesome. But, <laughs> yeah, they're not cheap. <laughs> yeah. You do not have to have a thermal to kill coyotes. I mean, you're right. Especially this first year, they're not they're not educated on you know lights and so they're going to be i mean easier to kill i would say and then you're right then they're going to get smarter and smarter and be like screw that every time a light shows up somebody gets shot uh yeah well and they can't there's a misconception you know they can't see green or red light they can see white obviously Mm -hmm. but uh the difference is or the kicker is you know and this goes into the main thing i wanted to say night hunting is way easier than day hunting. This is lit. People are going to be like, no way. But this is how I night hunt. I usually go out there and, you know, my car heart, and, you know, a pair of pants, stay warm. I don't wear a camo at night. I have my Predator Tactics tripod. I walk about 20 yards from the truck and I stand up in the most wide open <laughs> plot field or winter wheat field that, that is flat as I can find. And I stand there and I put the call 10 feet out in front of me and I call coyotes right up to me and kill them because they cannot see that great at night. Huh. Now, when you're using a light, they're like, oh, they can see green better than they can see red. No, they can't. But they can see shadows. In, gr- in green light, cast a denser shadow than red light does. But that's why I like hunting the wide open stuff because, A, the coyotes, you can't lose them in vegetation or behind a tree or in the timber. You know, you don't want a night hunt in the timber. Right. It just, you just don't. Kind of hunt the most open stuff you got, but you know, or in you know, if you hunt that, they can't get down in a ditch and disappear. 
Uh, now with a thermal, it's hard for them to hide. But you know, not every like I said, not everybody can spend three grand on a thermal. Yep. Um, so when you not hunt, hunt flat stuff, don't be afraid. Just a, a tripod, like it, it's a game changer because you can stand there, your gun's pointed out. If you got a light on the end of it, you can scan back and forth easy. And when the coyote comes in, you're standing up. You just you know keep the light on him. It's mounted to your gun, and boom. Um, otherwise, you've got to have somebody standing there with a handheld light shining back and forth, and then you flip your gun light on, pick your gun on your bipod or your, yeah, or whatever, your shooting sticks and shoot. But uh, another tip is always leave your light on. Don't shut it off, turn it back on, shut it, turn it back on. Keep your light on the whole stand and, and keep moving your light. You know, you don't want to keep it one spot and slowly move it over to another spot. You want to, and when you see eyes, lock it on those eyes and stay on them. Right, yeah. Well, for us, I mean, we've never got to do it before, so a lot yeah. of us have no clue. Yeah. I didn't, I was going to ask about the yeah. turn on and off. I mean, because do you leave it on? Do you only turn it on when you think there's something out there? Like, <laughs> when, when do you turn it on? Yeah. That yeah, makes all sense. these questions that right. people are going to have. Right. That's. Yeah, but the thing, man, I'm so glad they only made it a month, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, damn near two uh, months, to be honest. I mean, because it's, it's February yeah, yeah. 1st to March 31, so it's. And, right, but. I love my day hunting. I love yeah. working. I like the challenge of it. Yep. And a lot of guys get mad at me and I <laughs> joke around with them. and because you know I'm like you know guys like I killed ten guys last night and you know because so, some stage guys just night hunt and that's right. that's awesome but it's different. It's, it's not it, it's not my favorite thing. You know, yeah. it's almost like playing a video game when you look at the thermal. And, <laughs> and it is. It is way. It's yep. a lot easier. And, you, do you ever night hunt? Night uh, hunt, they get a little butt hurt when you're like, hunting's harder. <laughs> you know? Do you ever night hunt stuff. just when it's uh, like a nice bright full moon and you can you can see I well? Have. Yeah, I have because that's the only way you can do it prior. Right, really. obviously. Um, at least in Missouri, it's right? Trippy, but to be honest, yeah, it, it got tr- the first stand I made. I was like sixteen. I'm sitting in the snow, like, oh my gosh, kind of creepy out here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> See nothing. But I mean, there was a good moon in about two inches of snow. And uh, I caught six coyotes in. It was nuts because you just see these black things coming through the snow at you. And I never shot a single one. I think they ran right past me. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Like, that was pretty epic. Imagine yeah. if I had a flashlight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Might have shot something. That's awesome. Yeah, I could definitely see that. If I, especially if I was by myself, you got these black shadows running at you. You're like, are those coyotes or demons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> you know what the craziest thing, though, is? I got a, a, a video through the, the Thor 4 of night hunting. And at one of the ranches I hunt, they have a dead pile in between these two canyons. And I've always been curious, like, how many coyotes are on that dead pile? Well, you know, I got the, the thermal, and I could not wait to get out there. <laughs> Me and my buddy ran up over 21 coyotes. Oh, my gosh. And they were footage. So I said, I, he's like, let's go to pound down on these coyotes. I'm like, no, 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 wait. Because, you know, the, the ATNs are cord. So we sat, we sat there for, like, two hours and just recorded their behavior. And we had coyotes five feet from us. Just kind of, oh, they knew someone was there, but they never busted. But there was coyotes wrestling and playing, and like I'm scanning across, and you're just like dog, 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 dog. I mean, oh, everywhere. Yeah, it was unbelievable. That'd be and crazy. Then we shot like nine an hour. Oh, That's wow. awesome. But 
Yeah, when, when he pulled the trigger, the first, it looked like rats just running scattering. <laughs> yeah, it, it was unbelievable. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, we we really appreciate you coming on and, and giving people, uh, you know, some pointers and brief I mean, overview, of a little yeah, bit of knowledge. Well, I was watching. Uh, Andy was watching one of your live feeds, and he's like, "We got to call Heath and see if he'll come on, man. Yes. Get you know, get people some some pointers from a." Uh, I mean, you know, we could talk about coyote hunting all we want, but who are we? Yeah, we're not we're not I mean, experts. We like hunt, we like hunting coyotes. I ain't killed two hundred since May. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So biggest, I mean, the biggest tip I have for for any coyote hunter is always ask yourself why. Like, why am I going in? For, why am I hunting this property? Like, why am I going in from this angle? Why am I sitting here? You know, you should be able to answer that question. Why am I facing this way? Why am I using the sound? Yeah. If you can, if you can do that and answer and like have a, a very confident answer for each one of those whys, you're gonna kill more coyotes because you're thinking about it and you're yeah. more strategic. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, gotta treat it just like any other type of hunting. They don't want to die. Yeah. But yeah, man, I appreciate you bringing me on. Anytime. Yeah, we appreciate, oh, man. Awesome. All right, now I'm ready to go out and kill some coyotes. I think. I'm so excited. Me too. <laughs> yeah, that was that was it, good. Got me. Got me excited and and some stuff I'm gonna try different, especially being patient. Yep. You know, I've always Quality been one of those ones that just you go, 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 go. If you're not there in fifteen minutes, bye. Yeah, I mean, right. how many times have you heard that if you don't see them within five, you might as well give up and go somewhere else? A lot. And that's not the case apparently. So And he'll um, literally show you it's not true. Yeah. I mean he does yep. it on those videos and all that. He tells you about it. So we're definitely gonna switch some stuff up because I mean we usually do our hunting together. And so we're definitely going to switch some stuff up this year, and yeah. hopefully that. Or if nothing else, try different things. Yeah. All right. Well, we and we've always been more of the distress callers. I mean, we've always you know mm -hmm. that's you know, and we hit it hard and quick. Yeah, okay. Hard. Well, like he said, you. <laughs> <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, you you know you start slowly, and it's I mean it makes sense, but when you're just a a layman coyote hunter. That right. is just kind of learning as they go. You just you just do what you do. Mm -hmm. So it, it's cool to talk to a guy that obviously is better than all three of us combined at coyote hunting, and can give that information to people. And um, perfect time to be listening to it. A lot of people are yeah. starting to transition from deer hunting over to predator hunting this time of year, mm -hmm. um, and great time for it to come out. So I uh, hope everybody enjoys the show. If you didn't learn something from that. I don't know what you're doing. If you don't chew big red gum, then <laughs> you don't, don't chew big red. Then no, I can't say, I can't say that <laughs> on here. We can't say that one. Oh, no, no, we okay. can. I just don't want to. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, I still have yeah, pretty Heath Baker just on the podcast. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm starstruck. I mean, we've had big names, and that's another one. That I'm like, yep. that's that's pretty cool to t be able to talk to him. Awesome yeah. dude to talk to too. He's down to earth, just like the rest of us. Another Missouri boy, by the way. Missouri boy, born and raised born in Nevada, Missouri. So. uh you know, Missouri's full of great hunters, great great outdoorsmen and, and women, and um, we're excited to, to have another episode with one of them. Yeah, yep. so don't forget to get on the show notes and go check him out. Give him a follow and a like if you haven't already. Check so. out his videos. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll talk to you all later. Later. See you.